This is Unfinished Business, a weekly discussion show about the business end of web, design and creative industries. And today is Saturday, the 23rd of March, 2013. This is episode number 11. I'm Anna Debenham and I'm joined by my co-host. He scratches a lot, Andy Clark. No, he he really does. Yeah, I really do. (laughs) The show wouldn't be possible without our two sponsors, Industry Conference, which is an event for web professionals that's happening in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the UK on April 24th, and Five Simple Steps. We have an incredible book to tell you about. It's The Icon Handbook by the one and only John Hicks, and we'll talk more about our sponsors later in the show. Et vous pouvez trouver tous les liens que nous mentionnons dans cet épisode dans nos notes d'exposition. Vous pouvez trouver les personnes à unfinished.bz slash once. Is that real French? It is real real French. Wow. It's real French for you'll find all the show notes, all the links we mention in this episode in our show notes and you can find those at unfinished.bz slash 11. Can you speak French? Uh, or did you no. just Google translate that? Uh, that one was actually Google Translate. So <laughs> <laughs> I imagine that actual accent, real, real, real French people are going to be horrified of my, my pronunciation <laughs> and my lack of grammar. But I can speak a little bit of French. <laughs> You're learning French, aren't you? This week. <laughs> trying <laughs> i've got a week to learn french all of it well i know a bit from i had a few years of compulsory french lessons at school um but the only like phrases i learned were ferme la bouche and <laughs> <laughs> your mouth yeah <laughs> so how's your french been going give me a little bit of french uh tout what I, I think i said tortoise what the hell is you're going to go to France? <laughs> I was watching a film a yesterday and it was in French and they said, Toto. <laughs> it was really cute. <laughs> so, you know, we go, we go on front, uh, to France on holiday more or less every year. Mm. And uh, Sue doesn't speak much French. Um, I mean, I'm not brilliant at it, but, you know, I can kind of get by ordering coffee and going to the bank and stuff. And so we, we bought one of these Rosetta Stone things. It was expensive good yeah it's really good but expensive they should sponsor our show <laughs> they should sponsor this one anybody out there from river Setterstone. and she said right i'm gonna this is gonna be my holiday this i'm gonna learn french this holiday i'm not gonna come to france again without learning any french so we kind of can load it onto the mac and you know take it on a little laptop and first day that she loads this thing up and, st- and starts to learn it. You know, she's kind of practising for about an hour. She gets as far as Elle Bois, <laughs> which means she drinks. And uh, that was it. That's all she needs to know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what else is there that she, she doesn't need to know? Elle Bois. And a few things that you can drink after it. Elle Bois de Vin. And that's all in front. That's all you need to know. I have quite a bad experience of France. Um, I don't know if I've said this before, but um, I was... I was on a school trip to Disneyland and um, all of the like food places at Disneyland are quite um, like lots of burgers and pizza. And by about the third day, I was really sick of eating like crap all day. So um, I asked for an orange and um, the guy behind the counter, you know, I asked in, in French because I really like to make an effort when I go places to, to speak the language. 
um, and he offered me in French a knife and fork um, to have with my with my orange. Um, and I didn't know what he said, so I just said "we," oui. and he started giggling and gave me like a knife and fork um, with my orange. And I was so kind of determined. <laughs> like I ate it with this plastic knife and fork. <laughs> Oh dear. I did. Uh, a lot of people say, I mean, yeah, apologies to our French listeners, if there are already, um, for this. But, you know, a lot of English people go, oh, I can't go on France on holiday. French are just so awkward. Um, and I kind of like love that. I've, we've had experiences like that. And I just I just love it. I, I, I think I, it's more that we're awkward. Yeah, I think so. I think so. There was, I think I've told you this before. There was this one thing years ago when we still had to take traveller's checks on holiday. Mm. instead of you know now you can just use your credit card get money out of the wall but in those days you would have to you know buy travelers checks and then take them out there and exchange them into the currency in the bank and we're doing that and and it's one of these little kind of uh these little provincial banks in a small market town and it banks only open on market day and it's not even like one of these high secure things it's like two tables with two people behind and we we're queuing up we're going to change our checks and i you know i speak to the guy in french and i ask him if we can change some traveler's checks into money and he's like yeah no problem <laughs> um and across to us on the other table was another english couple and you could oh, tell yeah, I remember this story <laughs> you could tell they were english because well they both had matching sun hats and sandals for one thing this couple um but she had the collins french phrase book and was saying quite loudly to the french man um you know, je voudrais changer the checks <laughs> in this really terrible reading out French accent. And he just said to her, no, 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 c'est non possible. And wouldn't change the traveller's checks for her. In fact, he told her that she had to go to Narbonne, which is like 40 miles away. <laughs> and she's looking over at us going, but but they're changing. No, no, he was not going to have it. I mean, but maybe he just wanted to get on and, you know, serve his mates behind or something, the market traders. But, yeah, so funny. And they just walked out of the bank kind of like completely crestfallen. And, and we, saw, we saw them later on. We were sitting in the – it was market day. We were sitting in a little cafe having a cup of coffee. And they came walking towards us. And she, this, this poor guy, he's still walking like, you know, three or four steps behind the wife who's still shouting at him because it's obviously <laughs> his fault. She had the book, but it's obviously his fault. So I don't know. French are funny. But when we first started going there, you saw very few English people. And it was really nice. You know, you wouldn't see, a, you wouldn't see an English number plate. And, you know, unless it was maybe market day, you wouldn't really hear an English voice. Now we go and uh, and, it, and and there's a lot of it. It's kind of taken the taken the shine off it a little bit. So but we're still going to go next year. We're still going to we're still going to go back to the same place. I think this is the last time that uh, we're all going to go on holiday together because, you know, Alex has grown up now. Yeah. And it's really nice that he still wants to come on holiday because we do have such a great time when we go on these things. Um, but I don't imagine that we'll be that we'd be doing it again. So who's um, who's replacing me next week? Replacing you next week? Um, it's Laura Cowbag. Actually. Yay! Yeah, which is good. I know you wanted to interview her. Yeah, you stole her. But you've got plenty of other people to talk to. Mm. It's gonna be it's gonna be good. It's going to be good. I hear you're getting a lot of snow at the moment. Yeah. Actually, yeah, speaking of Alex, he's just come home. We we went to Leicester today 
to uh, to go and get him. And it's on the news. It's especially up here, up in you know, North West Wales. It's all well, we're North East Wales. Um, yeah, there's a lot of snow. Clangochlan, Wrexham area, Mould area. It's really very bad. Um, and when we looked out this morning, we thought, oh god, no, we're you know we're never going to get out. Um, but we had to, we, so we drove all the way to Leicester foolishly. We ignored all of the warnings on, on the TV. Only travel if it's an essential journey. Uh, but no, we decided to get in the car and drive for six hours. Um, but we've got him home now, so that's quite nice. He's home until uh, he's home until this next weekend. Yay! Um, and then we go off to Japan, and he goes off to uh, Scotland, I think. Yeah. Nice. What else has happened this week? You launched uh, Rock Hammer, didn't you? That was nice, actually. Yeah, we put out our little library um, and got some nice feedback for that. It went up on GitHub, finally. <laughs> Managed to get all that sorted out. Oh, yeah, how'd that go? Actually, you, it was all right in the end. Yeah, no, I worked it out in the end. Uh, managed to get the pages sorted out. And you got GitHub pages? Yeah. Oh, you're going to have to show me how to do that. It was actually a little bit simpler than I, than I thought it was. It was just, it's just a confusing documentation. Yeah, I must be doing something completely wrong then. <laughs> so that went nicely, and I set up my co-moderator um, or whatever it's called on GitHub now, Aaron, who does some JavaScript work, and I notice he's been doing lots of little changes and tweaks throughout the week. So that's been nice. Um, and so the thing that's pleased me more than anything is that I've seen people tweeting that it's a good excuse to start using Hammer. Yeah. And I know they're not sponsoring this week, but I don't care. There's, you know, I don't talk about them just because they, they sponsor the show. Um, and to, you know, if that's a reason why more people are going to start using that, then yeah, I'm really happy about that. You know, I didn't, I didn't do it for that reason, but it's, that's nice. Oh, uh, tell me how your, um, design thief thing's going. Yeah, it's not going actually. Mm. Um, it's. I think the end of this week was the amount of time that we gave him to respond. Yeah. And I haven't spoken to Josh about it, but I don't think that he's had a response and I don't think I've had a response. So now we really have to decide on, you know, what to do next in terms of the play. Because, you know, you would hope that if somebody, you know, received a, a strongly worded but fair letter, as we sent, yeah, and they um, haven't taken it down. No, it's either. not taken down. Nothing's nothing's changed. So mm. you know, you'd hope that somebody would just go, okay, listen, I, either fair cop or yeah. listen, I just don't want the aggro, and um, you know, I'll do something different. I'll take it down or whatever. But this guy hasn't done that. So this is where it gets slightly tricky, and I need to figure out along with Josh what the best way to deal with it is now because I think we can either go to something like trading standards. Yeah, and, but I don't know how much they would need to be involved. I think that, uh, or how easily it is to get them involved. I think that it might be one of those organisations where if they get lots and lots of people complaining about the same thing, you know, if lots and lots of people complain about a bad plumber or builder or decorator or mechanic or something, yeah, then that might pique their interest. I think if it's just a one-off thing like this, they might not be so useful. Mm. Um, and then the other thing is to, you know, to seriously go legal with the guy, which you, kind of, a, you don't really want to do. It's, well, is it, it, is it worth it? Well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the question. Is it worth it? 
Um, you know, it's not like it's a kind of a, a systematic thing that, you know, there's loads of people using it or, you know, stealing it. It's not like torrenting a book or something, you know, it's, it is different. It's not having a material impact on me necessarily, although it's mm. bloody annoying. <laughs> you know, it's not doing my business any harm. Um, and I don't think it's doing Josh's business any harm either. So the question is, you know, do you, do you want to put the money into it and the, uh, you know, the, the effort and the energy, the mental energy into doing something about it? I mean, I know that, you know, if, if we send out a solicitor's letter, it's going to cost, um, around about 650 quid mm. to get that letter out there. And, you know, what's it going to accomplish? Yeah. You know, the best possible result is that the guy takes it down, but, you know, he's not going to take it down and apologize, which is really the kind of satisfying thing that you want. You want somebody to say, listen, okay, you know, I know I did, I did a bad thing. And I'm really sorry. Won't, it won't happen again. And then you can kind of feel decent about it. Yeah. Um, you know, if he just takes it down and doesn't say anything or he's forced to, it's kind of might feel like a little bit more of a hollow victory. I don't know. So we have to decide on what we're going to do. I haven't kind of got a plan yet. Mm, that's a tricky one. You, you, you know, is it really worth the what you paid for the image? Um, is it is it more or less than sending a solicitor's letter? Oh, we paid a lot more. Mm. Oh, yeah, those illustrations. Uh, what were they now? Maybe I shouldn't say what Josh charges. <laughs> um, he's just done some new ones for me too. Oh, these are going to be these are going to oh, be I good. Seen them. Yeah, you've yeah. seen these. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say any more. My lips are sealed. <laughs> about this so i don't know um i have to weigh up from a business point of view what the best thing to do is um what i will not do um and i encourage people to do the same is it's got you know it's not a public issue mm. you know you shouldn't be you know what i'm not going to do is i'm not going to go here's the guy i'm not going to out him on twitter i'm not going to you know, rally rally my troops or <laughs> any other such such nonsense um that's not the way of dealing with it, with a, with a, a legal issue like that. You know, the issue is between me and him or me and him and Josh. Yeah. It's got absolutely nothing to do with anybody else. And therefore it doesn't belong in a public, uh, a public space. Mm. So, you know, please don't go looking for it. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's annoying though, isn't it? When people yeah, behave it's badly just a principle. Like yeah, it is. It is the principle. So ever since I registered as a limited company, um, pretty much the day after I started getting lots of letters, lots of spam from different companies offering me various different services. I had one that was offering me SEO. and um, So I just wanted to mention that because um, it's kind of annoying. And yeah, if you put your home address as your business address then expect a lot of spam when you register um so i've changed that now to my accountant's address okay that's good hopefully um i won't get any more spam <laughs> they can get your spam for you it was just ridiculous my letterbox was just heaving with all of this just rubbish but i mean one of the one of the things i got was actually quite useful it was kind of tips about business and um i was gonna thumb through it and sort of rip bits out of it to mention on the show maybe yeah Things i mean about business rates and stuff 
I don't know what comes through the door because I don't normally see the post. But what I, I do have to deal with, I suppose it's because, you know, we've got the office address being, you know, the home address or whatever. Um, but I do get a lot of phone calls. I do get a lot That's of spam. you put your phone number on your website. Well, yeah. And I think I should have my phone number on the website. But, you know, you do get a little bit fed up of the people phoning up going, hi, can I speak to the person that deals with the health and safety, please? <laughs> We, oh, God, we had one a couple of weeks ago. Have I told you this story privately yet? Um, oh, this was, really, this was actually really funny. I had a client in the office when this call came through, so I wanted to I wanted to do it quickly. I wanted to get off the phone quickly, but I wanted to play with this person because she said, you know, hi, and it's really positive, hi. You know, can I speak to uh, the person that deals with your health and safety, please, in the business? And I said, I'm ever so sorry. She said she's not in at the minute. She fell down the stairs last week. And then one lady on the phone went, she went, Oh, I said, yeah, it's, it was, it was a really sad story. Actually, she was running down the stairs to answer a phone call from, uh, I don't know who it was, maybe somebody trying to sell her something. And, uh, there was a, a lead to the Hoover that was like across the stairs and she fell down the stairs, um, and uh, landed face down, but she didn't just land face down. She, we've got this, got this water feature, you know, you've seen them, haven't you? In offices where you've got this kind of, uh, like, shallow bowl full of water with floating candles in it and oh, man she just like she went head first straight into this bowl full of water i said oh, and if that wasn't enough we've got this big lamp in the office <laughs> and the lamp kind of fell over and uh, and hit her on the head so she won't be in for a couple of weeks but can i take your name and maybe she can give me a call back and this lady was i don't know whether she just didn't get the joke <laughs> she was completely horrified she was like yes well if you could that would be nice <laughs> and uh do you ever do you know, play with people like that when they phone up no i'm really bad at that i just start giggling <laughs> <laughs> but i hear other people do it i love playing playing people like that <laughs> i do i love playing with people like that i'm in love with our next sponsor as well actually did you know that who's, who's our sponsor even though i just read it out at the start yeah i know you did it's John Hicks's icon handbook from Five Simple Steps. Yay! I know this is so cool. I mean, I don't think, and I'm not just making this up. Um, I don't think that anybody could have designed and written a book about icons as well as John Hicks did. It's just such a great book, and I don't think that there's a publisher out there that could produce it as well as Five Simple Steps did either. I mean, if you see this book, it's just something to something to believe. And I know I really loved what they made with hardboard web design, but I actually think that the icon handbook's better. I mean, it's really, really beautiful book and it's just really useful too. It starts with some of the basics and then takes you right the way through to creating stunning iconography. So I know people love ebooks these days and I do too, but sometimes you just can't appreciate something until you hold it in your hands. So even if you bought the Icon Handbook in a digital format, I'd just do yourself a favour. Just go and buy the hardback, the paperback now. Between now and the 1st of April, you'll get 10% off all the formats uh, using the offer code UNFINISHEDICON10 when you go to 5simplesteps.com. Oh, I love that book so much. They're really good. They are really good. They put out some fabulous things. And what I love about 5 Simple Steps is how... They will let an author do what the author thinks is the best for the book 
Yeah, and that really shows through. I know, I know it's really difficult for a lot of authors. They, you know, they don't have any control over like how the cover looks or um, just things like the font that's used or just lots of little things that it'll come out and they'll say, oh, it's not, it's, it's not how I wanted it to look. Mm. But I think with these, it looks like people have had a lot more control over it. It's, it feels like it's been made by designers. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, that was my experience. I mean, we had lots and lots of sessions where we'd talk about paper stock and, you know, flaps and covers and, you know, individual little, tiny little details in the book. Um, and I know John did exactly the same thing. I mean, Icon Handbook was a book that John had in his head and I know he talked to other publishers about for, you know, many years, but it wasn't until Five Simple Steps came along that that I think that he realised that he could actually have a publisher that would make the book that he really he really wanted. Was that like the second book that came out? No, they've done their Practical Guide series for a while. It started off with Mark Bolton's uh, oh, Yellow yeah, book. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of things, a whole, whole, whole load of those in that series. There's Web App Success that we talked about last week um, and Managing Web Projects. And Brian Suda did a book on... Um, oh, the... the um... Data, designing with data. That's the one. So, yeah, so they've got some nice books in the range anyway um, in their practical guide series. But they just do such a good job. You know, they ah, such an amazing job when it comes to kind of real art-directed books. So, yeah, I love those guys. I can't wait to see what they've got coming up next. So what are we talking about today? Well, I've been to – I had another – sort of nice thing that happened this week. I went to Belfast because, you know, I've been doing a little bit of kind of university lecturing this year. Yeah. And I, I did some uh, a lecture down at Winchester School of Art and I went to Manchester Met a few weeks ago. And then this week I was over at the University of Ulster with the uh, the guys, the Standard Easters. Yeah. Nick and, uh, and the guys over there. And... Uh, Chris Murphy, and it was just really nice. I did a talk, an hour talk on Tuesday night, which was basically about our business and how we started and some of the successes and failures and lessons that we'd learned. So that was really nice. We had about, oh dear, it was over 150, I think, people in that. So there's a lot of students. um, What was the course that they were doing? Um, Web design, Um, you know. I, I you know. I actually don't know what the. I think it's multimedia design. I think it is. I, I don't. I'd actually have to look it up. I don't know specifically what the the course is called. Mm. But there was a broad um, mix of people. Um, you know, some people I think stronger on design. Some people stronger on technical stuff. Mm. So it was really really good. So I did that on the Tuesday, and then on the Wednesday, I did my full day responsive design workshop. Oh yeah. So that's the one that I've been doing. You know, all over the place. Um, the one that I did at New Adventures and Smashing Conference. Yeah. So I thought, well, I haven't done a workshop like that to students. Um, so as I'm there for the day, if they want to come along, then that would be great. So there's like 20 to 25 of them, um, mainly second years, I think. Mm. And that was really, really nice to, to do something for them. And I, I think they really enjoyed it. I, I Learned such a lot, actually, from, you know, just talking to them as well. What sort of things are they working on? 
all kinds of stuff really some of them showed me my uh showed me some of the freelance stuff that they've done there's some really good responsive design work coming out as well mm. um you know freelance projects and stuff that the students are doing and that was really encouraging so we could actually have a really good conversation in the group you know sometimes when you do a workshop people could be a little quiet yeah um but these students didn't have any kind of inhibitions <laughs> So they'd they'd argue with me when they thought I was wrong about stuff, which was which was really like nice. what? Uh, you know, I've got my a beef in a bee in my bonnet about uh, the icon that we use in responsive design for showing and hiding navigation. Oh, like the three lines. Yes, except yeah. that my thing is that the three lines should only be horizontal if the navigation moves in vertically, and a lot uh. of people still use it when the navigation slides in from the left or the right, like it does on, let's say, the Facebook app. Right. Because in my mind, it's not about... Somebody's been, people have been calling it a hamburger icon. <laughs> three lines. That's, that's rubbish. <laughs> Complete tosh. In my mind, it, it looks like uh, the grippers. Like, you know, when you've got your, your oh, remote the, control, yeah. or you've got something on a battery compartment... Well, you often get those three lines, those three ridges, um, and they kind of, they're always at 90 degrees to the direction of travel. Yeah. So, you know, you're always, so you're always moving them up and down in the direction of travel. Um, and if you look at the iPhone, you know, when you just turn your iPhone on, you've got the lock screen. Just above and below the camera icon, you've got those three lines. And they're, they're there because they're kind of like grippers. Yeah, like friction. Yeah, like thing. exactly. And that means that they, they should always move in the direction of travel. So if you're using, in my mind anyway, if your navigation moves up and down, then your icons should be, the lines should be horizontal. Well, shouldn't it be that you have to like hold and drag down? Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. Yeah, so right, that's so you have to physically do that rather than just clicking on it. Oh, well, sorry, yeah, because uh, we can't selecting it. Yeah, well, no, you can't. You know, you can't always just hold and, and drag. You know, you, it, but it's still sliding out in the same way as if you did drag it. You know, you're tapping it and it moves out. But anyway, mm. in my mind, the line should be vertical if the navigation moves in from the left. Mm. So we're arguing about that because you know not everybody agrees with silly rants, do they? <laughs> And it was good, and a lot of the students there were going off uh, this week, I think this coming week, snow permitting, and doing interviews for their placements. So they have to do a whole year of, of placement in a company next placement year. Placement years are so good. Uh, they're just so useful. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's maybe one of the things that I'll talk to Laura about next week in terms of her idea for kind of mentorships. But it's one of the hard things for, for the guys in Belfast was, I think there's 80 students on the course. Yeah. And something like, I don't know, less than 30 companies in Northern Ireland, um, or certainly in the Belfast area, that can take a, a placement student. Yeah. So there's obviously a lot of competition for those spaces. And that means that some of them have to, you know, come to England as well. I know a couple of them yeah, were going no, to places we had, in Manchester. Um, Claire Left had one from um, the Standard Eaters course. For like, they had an intern who who was on that course. Right. Yeah, um, that's the kind yeah. of thing that they're applying for now, or the fact they're interviewing for next week. It was uh, Chris Colhoun. 
so yeah, so no, it was it was very good, and I enjoyed going. And it's nice to get back into an education setting because the questions that they ask are often very different from the questions that you get when you give a workshop to a bunch of kind of you know regular web professionals. Yeah. Mainly because I think that they haven't got as much baggage to bring to you know what we're talking about. They don't have to worry about, you know, well, in my company, we can't do that because we've structured it in a certain way. Mm. Um, so they are, they ask good questions and they're not kind of, um, yeah, they don't bring a lot of baggage to it. So that, that's nice. But yeah, it gets, gets me thinking about learning because I'm doing, I, I've decided that I wanted to do these lectures, uh, because, you know, I think about Alex, you know, I don't know, they know he's not doing web design, but, I would like to think that he gets people that go in and support his course. And I know that he does. Yeah. And then you think to yourself, well, you know, if I've got the time and, you know, some, the material, then it's actually a good thing to do to, you know, go and do this kind of stuff. Um, and then it gets, they ask questions. They ask questions about stuff, which, you know, to be honest, I didn't know the answer to. Like what? Oh, I mean, there's some technical things. Um, I can't remember now exactly. Some stuff about, and a lot of stuff about kind of best practice too. And just sometimes it just makes you feel, makes you feel really kind of behind in things. <laughs> I always, sometimes I feel like I'm not always the last one to the party with, with some things like SAS, for example. Hmm. Well, you it's were like, using less before that, weren't you? Well, I was, and I, I think I was late to you that as well. You were just using Betamax instead of... Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. <laughs> you you don't even know what Betamax is. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you heard it. You heard what you read about it on Wikipedia. Actually, <laughs> I think did we ever have a Betamax? No, I don't think we ever had a Betamax. We did have um, oh, once um, a eight track cassette in the car. We had an eight track cassette player that my mum's husband had once. Um, and they were called eight track cassettes because they were like great big clunky cassettes, but you could only get eight tracks maximum on them. What if they were really long tracks? Um, then you got less. Uh, and then you could turn them round, I think. I can't remember how they worked, but he only had three. This was what was really boring. He had Holtz the Planet Suite, the Carpenters, and Sergeant Pepper. And those were the only three things he could ever play in the car. <laughs> Which meant that car journeys when I was growing up were like complete torture because it's <laughs> <laughs> play. And do you know what? I never listened to even Sgt. Pepper for years later. I couldn't I couldn't put it on because <laughs> of this bloody thing. Anyway, how did we get on to talking about <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, no, it was good. And you know, learning things. Yeah, that was it. Learning things. I'm late to the party. And I, you know, and I think to myself, God, when you know, when I started writing about CSS, well, when I started learning about CSS, there were really only two or three kind of template tutorials for CSS layout that were out there at the time, yeah. and then more and more people started to to write. Doug Bowman and Dave Shea and Dan Cederholm and Zelman obviously would write about things. And what what year was this roughly? Uh, 18, no, 19, <laughs> No, it was about 2002, 2003, something like that. Mm. And you could keep on top of it then. I mean, I remember I was telling this to the students. I remember. 
remember? I remember back in the day. No, no, I remember <laughs> um, all the day I read about how you turned an unordered list into tabs. Man, it was a big day that was. <laughs> it was. It was a big day. And I can remember um, Dan Cederholm's faux column technique. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which was basically just getting a you know, a, a repeating background image that went ran, down a container. I remember that. I got his book, um, Bulletproof Web Design. Yeah. And yeah. You, look, you look at that now and you go, well, what's so special about that? <laughs> you know, any of you could have thought of that. Um, but actually, in the day, people were like, oh, man, that you know, it was a big deal. <laughs> but you know, there wasn't that much. You could kind of keep keep on track of it. And now there's so much stuff that, you know, that we could read. Yeah. And not just about CSS, but, you know, all the JavaScript stuff, all the SAS tutorials. Yeah. Um, I'm know. finding it really hard to keep up at the moment. It's, there's just so much to learn and it's kind of knowing what is the right thing to learn. Because uh, often I'll, I'll start on a project and they're like, right, we need you to do this. And it's like, oh, I've got to learn all this new stuff. Um and it's quite daunting because, you know, you've only got a limited amount of time. And um, that's why I like to keep Fridays free so that I can um, I can use that time to learn new things, either doing side projects where I can kind of apply that. Um, I guess that's what you've been doing with Rockhammer to learn SAS. Yeah. What, what have you had to learn recently? What's been your big thing? Um, so at the moment I've been doing lots of prototyping and so one of the things that I'm having to learn is um, like templating because um, basically everyone who everyone needs access to the prototypes so they need to be in HTML so it's really easy to, to just set up. So I've been learning um, sort of how to do, um, how to use things like Jekyll or uh, Moustache or um, yeah, just thing, things like that. And as well as that, a lot, um, a lot to do with Git. Right. Um, because it's I'm working with teams, and um, so there's a lot to learn there. I've been learning all the kind of terminal commands. It feels like the work that I do is becoming much more almost programmatical. Okay. So this templating stuff, because I've heard about Mustache before and Jekyll and things, but I've never used them. Mm. I don't think I know where to start. But is that the kind of thing that I should be able to use? Because obviously what we do now is to provide HTML, CSS templates to people. So yeah. we don't, you know, we, we we don't do complete websites, but we hand over a bunch of templates. So should I be using something like that? Um, I think if you if you're able to put it on a server and stuff, then you you should just do what you're doing now. But um, the reason that that I'm doing it is because I can't necessarily put it on a server. Um, I have to just have the static files that people can edit and it's got to be easy enough for other people to edit who ne- don't necessarily know HTML and CSS or um, or we can't set up something like MAMP on their computer. So how does it work? It's, um, I don't know really. <laughs> I know this isn't a developer show, but I'm just fascinated to know. Yeah, I mean, I'm only just starting to learn it now, um, but I know that, I haven't even been able to get it set up on my computer because I'm so stupid. <laughs> You're stupid, God. No, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask one of the um, people in the team that I'm working on to to help me with that. But um, you basically download these uh, like Ruby gems 
and oh, this is going to make me sound really thick. No, no, just, <laughs> trust me. It's I, I, if ever I see something on a documentation, you get about ten lines in, it mentions some kind of ruby gem. Yeah, uh, it's, it's all beyond me. It really is beyond me. It's interesting what you said about your job getting more and more kind of programmatical, mm. um, because. I've been digging a little bit deeper into SAS and I don't want to do anything really complicated, but one of the things that I've been trying to do is I've been trying to figure out a really good way of only having to write my CSS files once and then have them available in media queries for the browsers that support media queries. And as another kind of external flat file for Internet Explorer 8 and below, yeah. that didn't support media queries. Because obviously, you know, if you if you put a load of the styles inside a media query, then IE8 and below is not going to see it. Yeah. So there's a couple of things. Uh, I think, was it Nicholas Gallagher? Or I probably got that wrong. But I, I did do some Googling and found a couple of solutions for how this is supposed to be. I think it might have been Chris Coyer at CSS Tricks might have, um, might have mentioned it. Well, I'll find it again and put the, put the link in the show notes. But I'm looking at this SAS, I suppose you'd call it a function, and I can't understand what this thing's doing. And I'm one of these people that I like to kind of take things apart and then see what it, what it does. Yeah. You know, I'll change the colour of something or I'll, I'll add a, an outline to something in CSS just to see which element changes. <laughs> but this was like way, way, way beyond that. And I'm thinking... It probably makes a lot of sense to somebody that knows about JavaScript or knows about some kind of other programming language. Yeah. But, you know, stupid me who just writes SAS like I wrote CSS, I'm like, "Mm, I don't really know what this is doing. So I came up with my own kind of like less than perfect solution at the moment. But I I really want to learn, you know, I want to learn. Yeah. SAS is kind of difficult. I'm I'm quite enjoying working with it because it's sort of teaching me a lot. It's changing the way that I write CSS completely. Um, but it, it's so useful things like if um, um, that project I was working on, it was changing. Um, I I put in the font size in pixels and it would convert it to rems, and then with a fallback of pixels or m's, um, and it did all that calculation. And that's yep. really handy because, uh, you know, I can just get sent a, a Photoshop file. I can look at um, kind of what, how many, you know, how many pixels uh, the heading is and just throw it straight in. And then it, it makes it nice for me. <laughs> yeah. Now, what, and this is another thing that I've not done very well at the moment is in Rockhammer is that I want all of my headings, H6 and up, to be multiples of uh of the base font size right so for example i don't want ha- i don't want to have a designer even needing to think about how big an h2 is versus an h1 because i want it to be i want that to be a typographic hierarchy mm. and i think that that needs to be you know a set scale and i know that there are probably ways that i can do that in sas at the moment all i've done is i've just gone into there and i've just done you know base font size times 1.15 or something yeah, and I've put that in, in, you know, tucked that away. But I know that there's probably a way, way better, much better way of doing that. Because I'm not a programmer. You know, I've got no knowledge of 
JavaScript or programming or anything like that, which is, I suppose, you know, that's the nice thing about putting it up on Git, isn't it? Mm. Clever people can. <laughs> Often I'll have like a stab at it and then I'll show it to someone else who, who makes it really good. Yeah. Like with, like with my JavaScript. <laughs> Oh, I'm hopeless. That, that's why I wanted Aaron to work on the JavaScript because, you know, even even jQuery plugins have defeat me. Mm. You know, you think it should just be quite so easy when they just, they put in that little kind of app function, yeah. um, you know, and you read it and you think, yeah, that makes sense. That's a That's doing something. It's adding a class, for example, to an element I specify. You know, I can figure that out. But... What I don't understand is all the kind of the, the things that it has to go inside. Does it have to go inside, you know, document dot something or, you know, on load or whatever the, you know, the, the, the start and finish of the JavaScript is. So not knowing that kind of stuff, I always, I always get tripped up. Yeah. But how do you, how do you decide on what you're going to learn and what you're not going to learn? Um, usually it's when I'm, when I have to learn something to do, um, to do my job. And I don't like taking up the client's time learning that. You know, I'll do that in my kind of on on the day when I work from home or uh, on the train home. I'll be reading up about it. I'm much better learning when I can see something in a video. Yeah. I don't like watching videos, actually. No? No, because I, uh, I have to be completely... Like, I have to be following that while I'm doing the thing. I, I prefer just tutorials where i can just you know have a look at it on one screen and then follow through it and yeah hmm. i was thinking about doing a little screencast for Rockhammer, just like a little kind of getting started five minute getting started video yeah because i don't, I don't want to sit there and write documentation and hopefully i've made the readme and i've made the config file fairly self-explanatory but there are things that you know you have to do when you might have to dig a little bit deeper into the folder structure so I thought maybe doing a little video would be, you know, the right thing to do. I think if you do that, it's really good to have, um, like, a transcript. So um, I know that's something Perch do. Uh, that For all their videos, they have a little transcript of it. And that's really helpful because often I'm in a situation where I can't watch a video. You know, I'm, I'm um, on site and I don't have my headphones or something. Um, so I, I can't really watch a video but I can follow through all the text. How much of this, though, is... And it's just different as web designers. Um, you know, in other medium, I don't know whether... For example, you know, printers, um, you know, or print designers. You know, a print designer will have to understand aspects of printing. You know, they have to understand CMYK conversion. Yeah. And they might, you know, they might have to understand... Um, you know, dot gain or something like that, but they don't actually have to understand how a printing press works yeah. or a specific printing press. Um, you know, you can do your job as a print designer without knowing everything about what goes on down the chain. But it's getting more and more important for web designers to know more and more stuff, and that stuff is technical. You know, I went to art school, and I never imagined, well, I never imagined I'd be making websites because there wasn't a web, but... Mm. Even when I did start designing websites, I never imagined that I would have to be understanding some of this more kind of technical stuff. Um, is that something that that I should be doing, or should I just be thinking to myself, "Listen, Andy, you know your your strengths are in design. Hopefully, 
Um, and if you need something else, then, you know, hire a professional like I'd hire a professional anything. Yeah, I think it's really useful to to know what sort of what the basics are for each each kind of uh, each discipline. So, you know, if you're a designer, learn learn how to make a website with HTML and CSS. If you're a developer, learn learn a bit of design because you know it, it always you always got to kind of dip into each each skill set and. The more kind of well-rounded you are, the better. I mean, it, it's not like if you learn development, you all the design is going to fall out your head, um, or you're going to start growing more facial hair or something. It's, <laughs> it's all it's, about beards. <laughs> what I mean is, it's um, knowing sort of knowing bits of everything is is really useful, but also um, focusing on your main skill it's, it's that whole kind of t-shaped knowledge thing yeah but I, I remember you know back in today that you know you had people that were webmasters and can you believe that people actually had that as a job title <laughs> and there were generalists you know people that would i suppose this is when we used what you see is what you get editors maybe but you know there'd be people that were designers that would know code that would build complete websites that would host the thing for the client and you know do all the stuff yeah basically you know and i suppose you could just wrap that up and say you know a web designer and you know everybody i think at one point or another would was a real generalist and then things over the years got a lot more specialised, both in terms of development and in terms of design. I mean, you know, you, now I don't think if you say yourself, if you say that you're a web designer, what does that mean? You know, you could be working on the visual side of stuff, or you could be working on the UX side of stuff. So things got a lot more specialised and segmented. And are we saying now that we have to learn more of this other stuff again? Get I just more, think it makes more you more um, well-rounded, and it's and less maybe. I don't know really. I, I just find that the the people that I work with, the the really talented ones, are the ones who could you know who are good at a bit of everything, but not necessarily great at everything. You know, they 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 really excel at at their kind of specialism, but they also know lots of other things. Um, all the way down the stack. Yeah, that's something that that I need to think more about. We should take a break for a second. You should tell us about our next sponsor. Yeah. So um, we've been talking about a lot of good conferences on this show over the past few weeks, and here's another great one. It's Industry Conference. It's an event for web professionals that ha- that's happening in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. That's up north. Have in you ever the- been that far north? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been... Oh, God, I'm going to have to get my map out. <laughs> <laughs> Being a soft southerner and all. Yeah, I've been to, like, uh, York and Leeds. That's, okay. that's further north, isn't it? It's not as north as Newcastle, but, yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Okay, you've, yeah, you've, you've got your northern credentials now. Carry on. <laughs> okay. So Industry Conference has a fascinating and different speaker lineup that includes Josh Brewer from Twitter. Um, we've mentioned Josh quite a few times before. John Alsop, who wrote The Dow of Web Design. Harry Roberts, Chris Murphy, Rachel Andrew, and first-time speaker Ashley Baxter, who will be a guest host on this show in a couple of weeks. I can't wait. Good. 
John Northsop's hosting an HTML5 workshop and Andrew Spooner's hosting one on Windows 8 too. And Newcastle upon Tyne is apparently a lovely, wonderful city and Gavin Elliott's a fantastic organiser. So it's going to be a great conference. If you use the offer code UNFINISHED, to get, you can get a massive 40% off your conference and workshop tickets when you go to industryconf.com forward slash unfinished biz. That's unfinished B-I-Z, all one word. I really wish that I could go to that. Me too. I want to see Ashley speak. I'd love to see Ashley speak. I think she's going to be incredible. She um, is. I mean, did you read her interview? No. Oh, you have to read it. I'll put a link in the put show notes. Put a link in the show notes. No, yeah. I haven't read that. It's so good. She's very funny and very <laughs> talented, and I think that people are going to really, really love to see her speak. Yeah. No, she's going to do great. I really wish that I could go. Um, I have been to John Orsop's HTML5 workshop before. Mm-hmm. He and I did a, a tour last year. We did um, some workshops back-to-back. Uh, I was doing my responsive design one. And he was doing this HTML5 workshop uh, and we went to Brisbane and Perth and Melbourne and Sydney. And it was a really, really great few weeks. And I sat in on his workshop and there's some good stuff in there. Yeah. There's some really good stuff. I mean, John's a John's an amazing teacher and prophet, you know. He wrote the DAO web design and just such a such a great person to go and see. He doesn't come over here that often, so um yeah, really good. And Harry Roberts as well is speaking. I've got a crush on Harry Roberts. <laughs> Should I say that on the show? It's, he won't. He won't listen. He won't. Be, he won't be listening to this. But I absolutely lap up anything that he writes about. He's um, CSS wizardry on Twitter, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And he I, knows so much. I know, and. He writes about things in such a way where I know that he's bringing knowledge in from other areas, whether it's object orientated programming or, you know, other kind of developery things. Yeah. And that's that, exactly what I mean about having that kind of all, because he's, he, like, looking at his site, he looks like he's great at design as well. Maybe, maybe he didn't design it, but. I don't know. I've, I've <laughs> never met him and I've just love the stuff that he's been doing. And I was going to go to a conference. He was speaking um, at a, a weekend event uh, last year in a place you've never heard of, Barnsley. I've heard of Barnsley. <laughs> you've never been to Barnsley, have you? Actually, I've never <laughs> been to Barnsley. And anyway, he was speaking at this thing and I was just desperate to go, but we'd just come back from holiday. And I think Sue would have gone mad if I'd have just said, oh, I'm going to spend this weekend going to a conference in Barnsley. <laughs> But I really want to see. It. I can't go though. We've got a um, an anniversary, um, a personal thing that that is on the twenty third, um, and this is on the twenty fourth, and I just can't go. So sad. I just I, I, I would love to to pop up there, but I just can't get up there. But I'm sure, it'll be amazing. Yeah. So what you were saying about um, sort of learning things and something that I briefly wanted to talk about is at the end of a project, kind of spending some time to uh, kind of digest how the project went. Um, it's got a special word that I can't remember the name of. That it's, it's basically sitting down with the team and talking about what went well, what went not so good. Um, like a debrief? That's it, a debrief. 
Do you do that? Not as often as we should do. I think it's difficult for, um, like, if you run your own company to do that, it's just just you or maybe one other person. Um, but you know, for for agencies to do that, I think that's really useful because well, you can kind of you can you can look at what went wrong and see how you can fix that for next time, rather than just jumping into the next project and making those same mistakes again. I mean, that's that's been my problem, hasn't it, over the years? I mean, it's only been me, really, mm-hmm. and it's quite hard to critique yourself. Yeah, and. I think things are all up in the air. They're changing a lot now because we've got a designer and actually she's coming up to the three months at the end of March. So, you know, she's like a three month kind of like getting to know you period. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no way that we're going to say, Oh, sorry, it didn't work. Out. She's brilliant. <laughs> um, but one of the things that, you know, we're going to do is we're going to sit down maybe even next week um, and just talk about how things have gone and maybe look at the way that we can improve things. Yeah. Um, and I suppose we should we should do that with projects as well. I've never done it because it's just usually been me. Yeah. Um, I also think that maybe I should do, we're getting off topic here, but I also think that maybe it's something that we should do with the client as well. Yeah, I mean, that's something I was going to do um, quite a while ago was I was going to send them like a, a sort of, you know, like a feedback form, but it's, yeah, it just felt a bit too cheesy. Like I wrote mm. it all out and I was like, eh, maybe I should just chat with them. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's like getting one of those horrible survey things when you just, you yeah. know, bought a product. Uh, but I suppose, you know, sitting down with a client at the end of the project and saying, you know, actually sitting down with them properly and saying, you know, was it, were there things that we could improve on? And, you know, what was this from your experience? Yeah. Um, and then the other thing is we're really getting off topic now. It's kind of marketing as well, because I know that one of the things that I've always been really poor at is selling the kind of experience of working with us, working with me. Mm. And everybody in the world goes, yeah, we design websites and you know, they're responsive and accessible and blah, 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 blah. You know, there's like every web designer says exactly the same thing on their websites. Yeah, but it doesn't speak about how well the project itself went, you know, did you have any arguments with the client? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's one of the things I think, you know, some, somebody actually, I think it was the uh, Nicholas from ISO said to me, you know, one of the nice things about working with you was, um, and that's, that's the, what he said, I forget what it was now exactly, but what he said is nothing that's on the website. Yeah. So we can get a lot of interesting material, uh, not just for kind of case study pages, but just, you know, just for how you present yourself. Um, but and no, I guess we- as well, going back to the client and, you know, a few months later and saying, how is what I've done um, kind of helped your business? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so hard, you know, when you move from one job to the, to the other to have the time to, you know, go back to things. Yeah. I've, I've, I've found that a struggle over the years. I know that, I haven't done that anywhere near as well as I could do. We're straying well off topic, you know. I don't think we are. <laughs> you know, about education, learning. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It's it's tough. Um, I don't think that I've had as much time to devote to things that I really want to learn. Um, hopefully now we can spread the load a little bit better. 
I tell you what, I should, we should have hired somebody years ago. That's I need mean, a PA. <laughs> what do you need a PA for? Uh, to sort out all my forms and things and this whole like setting up a business. It's much more complicated than just... I remember when I sat, sat up as a sole trader and it was just a case of filling out a form, sending it to HMRC. This is so much more involved. Um, you know, I've got to uh, fill out VAT forms. I, I've got my accountant to do most of it, but um, it's, there's still a lot of admin Mm. And changing bank accounts because I had to do that and oh hassle. No, I'm really lucky because Sue takes care of you know all of that kind of stuff and you know, it's a full time job really. I mean, even just looking after me in terms of you know tr- travel itineraries and booking f- flights and it's you know. as well as that. It's um, the thing that I find difficult is that because I'm on client site all day, you know, I kind of um, I'm on the train at seven. I get back at eight. Um, I'm out all day. If I need to make a phone call, um, it's I've got to wait until until my kind of off day on Friday. So it's really difficult to to kind of schedule things in for that. Don't you end up with just a massive backlog? Yeah, yeah, I do. I have a list of all of the sort of companies I need to phone. Um, I, I kind of like it because it's I'm able to just say right. You know, that's a Friday thing. But it does make my Fridays very, um, very short because it, I'm just doing so much admin. I don't really have that time to dedicate to learning. And I think that's something that I need to really concentrate on is is setting aside time to do that. What do you use to keep track of all those things? Does it, does it just sit in your inbox? Uh, I use things um, really badly. <laughs> um yeah, sometimes I'll email myself. Uh, really old school. Um, I listen to uh, Merlin Mann on Back to Work a lot and he talks about how you need to sort of be more organised and I really need to pay, like, I, I really need to do the things that he says instead of just nodding my head and being like, yeah, yeah, that's that's great. No, I should do that. I just need to, to get into the habit of doing it. How many things are in your, <laughs> how many unopened emails have you got right now? Oh, I open them all, but I they just kind of sit there until I feel really, really guilty. And then I'll just spend like an afternoon replying to them all. I can't have the little red badge. No, neither can I. And it's it's really annoying because um, I just got the, the Google Mail app on my phone and there's a bug with it where it always shows one unread email, even when I've read them all. And I'm just, you know, sitting in the app, just scrolling and scrolling. Like, where is this email? There's one somewhere in a folder. Yeah. I I can't do that. I can't have it there, whether it's RSS or email or Twitter notifications or the calendar one now. Because we we have a lot of shared calendars now across uh, across the business. And we also have a lot of uh, reminders lists. I don't use things. I use Apple's Reminders app, which I'm sure isn't the best thing in the world, is it? But it works for us. And if somebody adds something or, you know, and maybe I didn't add it, somebody else added it, and then it gets past its due time. And it's not even my task. Yeah. It's not even a task that's been assigned to me. <laughs> and it's there on my phone with this red thing. I'm like, no. The thing that I like about the Reminders app, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't it have, like, proximity 
uh, reminders. Yes, it if does. you say if you walk into the supermarket, it'll know that you've done that and tell you what you need to buy. If you've set it up to do that. Yes, it will do that. I don't think I've ever actually used it for that. Yeah, I remember thinking, oh, I'm going to use this all the time, it's great, and I, I haven't tried it once. Because that whole thing, that kind of um, location thing, lo- I think that's what you'd call it, part of getting things done, the methodology is all about that. Yeah. It's like, you know, I'm going to make a list and I'm going to say, right, when I'm in, you know, when I'm in a supermarket, this is where I buy this. I need to do that for the train. I need to have, like, a tag and things that says... You know, if I'm on the train, I need to do these things. And, you know, things that, that require me to, that don't matter if I'm offline, um, things I need to read, I need to do that. Because I'm on the train so much and it's, I, I usually end up sleeping because um, I'm so tired, but I really need to spend that time more effectively. I like trains. I like working on trains. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Well, maybe you take different trains to me. Cause yeah, I, don't I, think, Im- I think you take nice trains. I don't imagine that... Don't yours have sockets and stuff? Well, the the big virgin intercity things do, yeah. But, yeah, they're, they're different from those what must be horrible commuter trains that you southerners have to endure. Yeah, there's it's so little space or, or I'll be standing or it's difficult to do anything. But I suppose that's a good place to be learning. That's a good place to be reading. Yeah, that's why... That's kind of why I like listening to podcasts. I can just have that going on and it feels like I'm doing something. You know, I, I often listen to things like um, The Web Ahead, which has like interviews really interesting people and they'll talk about sort of new techniques or even old techniques, you know, things that have happened in the past because they do the whole Web Behind series. And I find that a really useful way of getting information. I tweeted this week that I cannot remember the last time that I saved something to Instapaper. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I used to use Instapaper all the time, but I don't know why, but I just haven't used it for I ages. save stuff in it all the time, but... But you never I read it. I, I don't even think I've got it on my phone. That's what a lot of people said when I tweeted this. They said, yeah, I save things all the time, I just never read anything in Instapaper. This is really bad. We're meant to be setting a good example. But no, we, we're, no we're <laughs> this is what you should do. <laughs> but I suppose, you know, saving things, saving tutorials or things that we need to learn to Instapaper so that then when you go into the Instapaper app um, or, you know, even better, I suppose, if you get it synced through to a Kindle. Yeah. A proper Kindle, not one of these tablet Kindles. Um, then it's like picking up a reference book. I suppose everything's there. Then you're in reading or learning mode. Yeah. Whereas I do you, keep all my sort of e-books on my phone as well, so I can look at them. Yeah, because it's just so distracting. You know, you're sitting there trying to trying to read something or you know learn something, and there's you know there's all these other temptations around you on the computer. Mm. Whereas actually, if you just pick up a Kindle and go and take it in the other room, or do it on a train, yeah, that might be a good time to to do things. I need to read. I've got the worst attention span now than I think I've ever had. <laughs> I've got. A couple of people, a couple of really nice people, a couple of listeners actually, have sent me um, some Planet of the Apes paperbacks. Um, and I sat down to to read the, they they called it, okay, you're going to love this. They, the, the original translation, the original book was Monkey Planet, <laughs> even though they're not really monkeys. 
And how are they not monkeys? Because they're apes, Anna. <laughs> I thought I've told you this already. <laughs> anyway, so I started to read this, and I don't know whether it's cause, just because I'm tired. Every time that I get like two pages into a book, I fall asleep. Yeah, that, that's what I do because it's I read before I go to bed, and it's kind of yeah, it just it's like having one of those sleepy drinks. Vodka. Like, no, like Ovaltine or... Not vodka. No. <laughs> <laughs> vodka always makes me go to sleep, along with JavaScript. So, yeah, I know, I, I just need to do... I, I, maybe maybe now, and we've got two weeks coming up in Japan, um, maybe I should... And I'm not going to be working. I'm not going to be working on any client stuff. I've got two workshops that I'm going to be doing. And I'm really looking forward to a couple of weeks of kind of being disconnected from the web. But maybe what I should do is I should learn, make it, make it my objective to learn something different while I'm there. Two weeks. Yeah. What should I learn? Uh, knitting. Oh, what good's that going to give you? <laughs> you can make your own clothes. Why would I want to do that? I'd look like I'm sorry, knitters, but I'd look you like you wouldn't have to go shopping. Lemon. What am I? Yeah, I'm going to knit a hat. Or... <laughs> I quite learning to sew is good. You know, I could repair things. I did repair a coat that I ripped. I went to a, a when I was up in Glasgow last year. Uh, one of my really nice long coats got caught in the sea to Ibrox when I went to, when I went to see Rangers play, and I did repair that myself. Did you I not got... learn like sewing at school? No. Well, if I did, I don't, oh, no, we didn't learn any of that kind of stuff. Um, cookery. Because they didn't call it home economics back then. It was just cookery. Um, and we only ever learnt to make two things. I was rubbish at both of those. Pineapple upside down cake. Yes. Was, yeah. <laughs> Everybody in school learns Me how too. to make... Yeah. When was the last time that you actually had one? <laughs> Never. I really want one now. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to go and look, look up a recipe. <laughs> Can't cook either. My Hopeless. friend, um, Pessa, um, like we'd always have to bring our own ingredients in. And um, it was always like the day before, the evening before. Like, mom, mom, I need, um, I need to make this, uh, this cake. I need some like flour and sugar. And, and she'd be like, "Oh, uh, why didn't you tell me? I, I don't have any of this stuff." And um, my friend comes in like the next day with a box of cake mix, and she got in so much trouble. All kids do that, though. I remember Alex would say, oh, man, I need a fancy dress costume tomorrow. They'd like, I need to be a fireman. It's like, what? Come up with some kind of fireman costume, I don't know. So, like I say, um, I'm off to Japan in a couple of weeks. Um, so I won't be able to do the show with you. And next week, you're on holiday. Yay! Yeah, which is good. En français. En France. À Paris. So I'm going to do the show with Laura, which means that you and I aren't going to be together on this show for three weeks. <gasps> it's going to be sad. I'm going to listen in, though. I'm going to listen in to... You're going to have Ashley yeah. step in for one week. And do you know who the other one's going to be yet? Not yet, but I've, I know who I want. Okay. Well, I'm going to really look forward to listening to those two. Um, while I'm away. It'd be quite nice, actually. I should be tuning in from the other side of the world. Can I bring you back anything from Japan? Um, can you bring me back some Totoro stuff? 
Yes, but you'll have to email me and sh- tell me what that is. I told you what it is. Oh, oh, we were going to watch Spirited Away, but you didn't. Uh, no, because we haven't had any postal deliveries here for a couple of days and I didn't <laughs> order the Amazon thing in time and I think that I cut it a bit too fine. But it's on um, Film 4 next week. Yes, yeah, we've so- had lots of tweets saying about Film 4. Um, they're doing a whole Studio Ghibli season, which is just lots of lots of films. Um, That's things good. like Spirited Away. So, so, yeah, you should check out that, you know, Download. I'm going to watch that. I am going to watch it, and I shall. Um, I'll set it to record on on Sky. Yeah. So yeah. Um, then I can. Yeah. Then we can talk about it. But yeah, no, that'll be. We can talk about it when we come back. Yeah, there's quite a few in there that I really want to watch. I haven't seen. Um, a few people mentioned Grave the Fireflies. Um, apparently, it's really sad. So I'll, I'll have my tissue box ready Aww. and my ice cream. Well, I'll bring you something back from Japan. Yay. I'll bring you something back from France, if I remember. Well, I won't see you for a couple of weeks, so don't make it a croissant. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a bit hard. Okay. All right, well, yeah, that'd be good. So you can email me at shehas at unfinished.bz and Andy at has at unfinished.bz or you can email both of us at they have at unfinished.bz. You can find all the links that we mentioned in this episode in our show notes. You'll find them at unfinished.bz forward slash 11. And to ask us questions and suggest topics, message us on Twitter at unfinishedbz. And thanks again to our fantastic sponsors this week, Industry Conference and Five Simple Steps. Industry Conference is an event for web professionals that's happening in Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the UK on April 24th. They've got some fabulous speakers lined up and it's sure to be a really wonderful event. You can use the offer code UNFINISHED to get 40%, yeah, 40% off your conference and your workshop tickets when you go to industryconf.com slash unfinishedbiz. And John Hicks's The Icon Handbook from Five Simple Steps. Between now and the 1st of April, you'll get... 10% off all formats using the offer code UNFINISHEDICON10 when you go to 5simplesteps.com. I'll see you in three weeks. <laughs> Bye. Bye.